Hello and welcome to The Last Word Podcast, W-E-R-D. I am your host, motherfucking Gino, uh, humbly bringing you the uh, the news of, of the day and my life and, and IMHOs in my humble opinions. Uh, we just went through Easter, I mean, what, a week ago? Two weeks ago? I don't keep track. I'm not religious. I was raised Catholic, actually. Uh, so I wanted to do, I actually planned a whole Easter podcast, but you know, I do this, I do this very semi-consistently, uh, again, trying to keep it more consistent, but, uh, I'm still going to do the Easter thing because I had some, uh, some stuff to say about it. And, um, I don't want to say some strong opinions, but just some stuff to say about it. Uh, I, I, like I said, okay, so I was raised Catholic, right? And, uh, I remember even just as a little kid, I just remember thinking, dude, why does God want you to go through this every Sunday? Like, really, it was just so, it was just such a drag, you know, going every Sunday to church. We didn't go every Sunday either. My parents were like, you know, most Catholics, most people, I think, even, you know, they're Christian, they believe in God, but they're like, religion is kind of like this thing that they cling to whenever they think of death and really not much else. You know, it's really... Most people, most regular people, non, you know, not the chest pounders. Also, I want to say about the term chest pounding. The first time I heard the term chest pounding Christian, it was a little strange because I actually had a cousin who went through a manic depressive episode. I was about nine at the time. And I just say this because... She was going through a manic depressive episode, and the way we found out was out of nowhere, she just kind of, she was staying at our house because uh, mo- we have, most of our family that is in the U.S. lives in New York, and so whenever they would, uh, sometimes they would move temporarily down to Southern California, or sometimes they would just visit for extended periods of time, they would always stay at our place. We had this kind of nice big house in the suburbs and it was a nice place to be. And my cousin was staying with us. And I think she was like 27 at the time. I was nine years old because my dad waited a full generation to have kids. So all of his brothers and sisters had kids that were adults when I was a child, had, had kids that were like old enough to be my parents, whatever. She was having a manic, she had a manic depressive episode in our house and out of nowhere, she just kind of appeared in our hallway completely naked and asked us all to join her in the shower. Now, at nine years old, I didn't know you're not supposed to fuck your cousins. I did, I'm not saying I did fuck her. They wouldn't let me. But I wanted to. <laughs> and it was, seemed like this God sent to me when I was nine years old that I'm just, I'm just constantly fantasizing about beautiful women. My cousin, she was a 10. You know what I mean? She was just beautiful. She, she was one of those white girls that hangs out with models almost exclusively and she's always fucking her boss. You know, she's one of those, like the original Instagram thought before Instagram, you know? And she just appears in my hallway naked and she's like, come take a shower with me. And I'm just like, if that's not consent, I don't know what it is. But I didn't know she was having a manic depressive episode. I didn't know you're not supposed to fuck her cousins. I also didn't know that she would go to prison if she had sex with me at that point in time. I didn't know any of those things. I was a very innocent and horny nine-year-old boy. Anyway... So she had this episode that lasted like a while, actually, I think at least a week, if not like much more, like she really went through something and uh, I don't really know what sparked it. I've never really been able to delve into it, but uh, I remember she just started pounding her chest for like a, like a couple days and she really just embraced religion after that. I remember it was like a whole thing. 
where she just like embraced religion and literally started because she she kind of went nonverbal for a couple of days and she would only communicate by pointing at things and pounding on her chest and i remember after that my mom would say things like i'm not one of those chest pounding christians or whatever or she's one of those chest pounding christians and i really just like had this visual because my cousin like literally was pounding her chest trying to show us that she was christian i i mean i don't know if it's a thing that people used to do back in the day the day being like medieval times or like the 19th century or something like that i don't know i don't know where it came from but it either is a strange coincidence or it's something that my cousin saw as a religious thing that people do maybe flagellation not to be confused with flatulation farting flagellation the whipping of oneself anyway so that's <laughs> my parents were never that they were never those you know they they were casual catholics as most Catholics, I believe, are, uh, where they kind of just go on the major holidays, Easter and Christmas, and uh, and the rest of the time they try to they try to hit the church a few times, you know, a few times a year, not every single week, but uh, you know, they definitely drag you in once in a while, and you'd be bored and you'd be yawning about ten minutes in. You never understand what the preacher is saying, and I found out later that that's on purpose. You're not supposed to understand it you're not meant to understand you're meant to follow you're meant to obey right and so uh the point in time when i stopped being religious i had a uh i had kind of like an ocd i guess i don't know if you call it like an ocd episode or like a build-up or something like that but i basically became obsessive compulsive and uh so that's accompanied with kind of these physical habits that really don't make sense but make you feel like you're exerting control over your immediate environment and it still manifests itself in like little nervous habits like i pick at my cuticles a lot or um sometimes i'll uh i'll just get a, like a little obsessed with like symmetry of things on a table or something like that it'll be stupid or like entry and exit points uh i don't even want to go too much into detail on that but it's just like the way you put something on a table or the way you put something in the closet or whatever you get a little like stupidly anyway obsessed that's ocd and it's also accompanied by intrusive thoughts and so my intrusive thoughts were just that i was definitely going to go to hell that's really it just occupied every second of my day it was awful it was fucking terrible and uh i just became like really depressed at like 11 years old so it's even like it makes sense to become depressed when you're a teenager because hormones are just fucking running rampant in your body you don't even know what the fuck's going on but when you're 11 it's a little premature you know and my mom saw that and she said uh well you know we all worship on our own way and right away i kind of internalized that as okay so everyone everyone is making it up as they go along everybody's just doing their best and I see that. I see that everyone just, everyone kind of makes up the rules for themselves, but doesn't say so. Because if you said so, that would be blasphemous. If you said you were making up religion for yourself, but everybody does. Everybody kind of decides on which part of it they believe and which part of it is more important than another part, you know. <clears throat> and uh, ultimately, I understand the importance for, like, the social aspect of religion, you know it's really cool the camaraderie the community like it's really great so this easter uh like i said i'm not religious but i went to work and 
the the security guard who's kind of like the doorman at my job my job on sunday nights uh, he is religious and i we we've had some arguments about god and the existence of god and religion and stuff like that and it's the exact same thing because when i start mentioning particular stuff about the bible and he's just like well it's not about that i'm like well to you it's not about that but this is what the religion encompasses i mean it's not for you to say this is what's in the book you know to be interpreted a very specific way it's not really to be interpreted however it is for the reader if you speak to any i'm going to call it a religious representative a person of the cloth uh they're gonna they're gonna interpret it a very specific way and everybody is in lockstep with this way i only know because i've talked to other religious people i've been in a bible as literature class and there was this really religious girl there and she was just really upset with the way in which some of the passages were being interpreted and she's like that's wrong and so i asked her i'm like can you tell me and she's like really any this is what she told me she said really anybody can tell you there's a certain way to interpret that and i'm like okay so it's not open to interpretation she's like no it means a very specific thing but if you read it i mean these are very ambiguous stories with very you know you can really get into them from any which angle uh the bible is a lot like donald trump uh because you can agree everybody can agree with something that's been said by it because it literally says everything i don't want to stir too much controversy with my little donald trump thing there but he's said he said he has said everything on every he's said very liberal stuff he's said very conservative stuff uh he's said that he believes in uh you know universal single-payer health care and he has also said that that's an abomination that you shouldn't do that and he's also said that democrats are great and he's also said that democrats are evil and at different points in his life of course not in the last like eight years or whatever but I just want to I just want to say if you feel like that's an ignorant statement just go back in the archives and look at all the things he was saying in like say 2006 and 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 juxtapose that to everything he was saying in like say 2009 you know and it's a very opposite stuff anyway I'm going to say 2004 anyway so uh yeah so my my security the security guard who works at my work he brought he just cooked all of this homemade food it was fuck it was so good it was so good and my you know this guy has seen life you know he's he's i guess he's been a drug dealer in the 80s or whatever like a really big one he talks about it sometimes and then he found god and he's missing a whole bunch of teeth and he's not shy about it he's got a big toothy smile and he must he must have been missing those teeth for a long time because they've all gapped in like the bottom and the top ones fill in where like the other ones are missing you know and he just made all these uh his, i guess his sister made fried chicken and he made mashed potatoes and creamed broccoli and uh and turkey wings just the wings and uh and it was just all fucking delicious it was so great and it was he's just at work handing out these giant he bought all these to go containers and just these these giant to go platters of food he's handing them out i came outside and someone's like hey mike's got food that's his name mike hey you hungry mike's got food and i'm like uh what do you mean like he ordered something and i just see he's got these stacks of to-go containers he's like i brought them to my church i brought them to my church and they didn't finish them so you better have them they're gonna go bad i can't eat all this food and he 
He's a funny dude. He's like, you better take this home to your wife and don't tell him who made him because she's going to want to marry me once she figures out I can cook like this. He's a really, really fun, really happy guy. Not a great security guard because he's way too friendly, but he's a good guy to be working with, you know, good spirit. And that's kind of, that's that's the part of religion that I like, you know, is, is the community aspect and the uh, the goodwill and all that. And, you know, yeah, the part that just brings people together. And then the other part of it is the dogma. And that's what keeps people watching over each other and making sure people behave. And it, it can it can get really malevolent sometimes because people get into this contest of who can be more faithful and who can be more devout and who can do more for the cause. And it becomes more of a contest instead of instead of a community, you know? It's kind of the opposite of community. People start looking over each other's shoulders, making sure you're doing as much as you possibly could be instead of making sure that you're doing all right, right? If you're looking over somebody's shoulder, it should be because you're making sure they're doing all right. And if you catch something out of the corner of your eye and someone's doing something unsavory, I mean, that's a different thing, you know? But we can't all be policing everybody because, uh, you know, we should be making sure that we're we're doing good by ourselves, good doing for, sorry, doing good for ourselves and doing good, doing well by the people that we love. Anyway, that's, that's my take on, on religion. Sort of, there, there's more to it. I, I really wanted to get into this Easter thing because uh, I'm going to take a sip of my water and then I'm really going to dig deep in this. Oh, yeah, we're in the Easter. We're in the Easter podcast now. So, it's funny what people say sometimes, but maybe not often enough, is that if a Jesus-type character appeared or revealed themselves in this day and age, the exact same thing would happen to them. They would be crucified, or they would be, you know, they would be persecuted, they would be punished, and they would be assassinated. And I think it's funny that people say that would happen because it has happened. There have only been, in my understanding, right, uh, two historical figures in the last century, in the last hundred years, that emulated that Jesus-type nature, and that is Gandhi and Martin Luther King Jr., and Martin Luther King Jr. was emulating Gandhi. And Gandhi was emulating Jesus. This uh, pacifist nature. This, and, and by the way, those two figures accomplished more, much, much more in their few years of active nonviolence than anyone has ever accomplished with hundreds of years of war. Hundreds of years of war have never accomplished with those few years that those each of those men spent being actively non-violent the comparison is just so drastic you know you you think about the crusades you think about vietnam you think about like the only exception might be world war ii but that was so i mean if you look in the history books man that's so devastating and then you look at what gandhi did and he got the british out he got the colonists out of india that's unheard of with nonviolence. See, look at what Martin Luther King did. He did 
so much for civil rights by just saying, I am just being a fucking person. And both of them persecuted, assassinated, persecuted, assassinated for just trying to be that person and actively making the world a better place. Because I've said this before, when you are working that hard to make the world a better place, you're taking the money out of some people's pockets because that kind of money is only made by murdering people. I mean, I mean, if you're going to just like say it like the way it is, I don't even want to say murder people, but it's true. It's just a fucked up way to say it. But I mean, sometimes it's just a fucked up thing and there's only one way to say it, you know? Anyway, um, I actually have notes here. Look at me. I'm being organized and shit. I'm like, I'm going to do a good podcast today. Uh, oh yeah, I think that's all I wanted to say about that. Um, Easter pod, suffer the same fate. Yeah, yeah. I guess on that note, I kind of wanted, because I know the things I said just now, I mean, I see them as truths, but I understand how for one person or another, they could feel politically charged. And I think we all understand that there are forces, political forces, social forces that want to control us. But do you understand that they're not trying to control you, that they, that they are controlling you, you know? And I think it's really your job to understand when you're taking the bait, you know? And it's, it's not the opposite side that's controlling you. It's the, it's the side that you identify with that's controlling you. You live in fear of the opposite side, but it's, it's the side that you identify with. That's, they're in charge of you. That's their job. That's all I'm saying. Just understand when you're taking the bait. Just understand when you're turning on your own neighbor because you're taking the bait from the people in power with whom you identify. And that's Democrats, that's Republicans, that's whatever, you know? They're, they're making you pay attention to these things that have little bearing on your life. And I'm going to come back to what I always come back to, which is, I mean, right now it's really hurting us. This crazy, this crazy spike in inflation. I mean, it's historic. Uh, my rent and the rent of a lot of people I've talked to uh, has gone up as much as it can in a year. Uh, as much as it legally can. Just the maximum amount. And it's, it goes up every single year. And this year went up the max. If it goes up the maximum amount next year again, I mean, what the fuck are we even going to do? I mean, there's no way that the wages won't keep up. You know, this is, this is how a country becomes third world. And I, I think we have to understand that, you know. But here's the reason that economists and politicians have given us, okay? And I hope I'm not buzz killing but i mean just some things need to be talked about and I, I really feel like i have some sense to bring to the subject and that's the that's the only reason i even want to talk about it because I, I just don't feel like anyone else is really approaching it the way i conceive of it okay the reason that they've given is that the demand has gone up and that drives the price up now that in my understanding is fucking stupid that's fucking stupid I understand that when something is in high demand, it is the right of this provider of said service or good to bring up the price. But it is not their obligation. 
And especially when something is a necessity, like a place to live. That's a necessity. That's not something. I mean, a place to shit, you know what I mean? A place to sleep, a place to shelter you from the fucking rain, you know? That's not that's not a commodity or shouldn't be treated as a commodity, you know? It makes sense if, like, the price of iPhones go up or the price of televisions go up or something like that. Even though you, you kind of sort of need those today, you need some way to be plugged into you know, the social fabric and what's going on with trends and what everyone's doing. You just kind of need to be connected, sort of. But, I mean, when you're, we're talking about food, water, and rent, those are necessities. And those are all the things that have gone up in price. And that's why it's hurting so bad. Because all the things that you need are just like this whole egg thing. I don't know if if you... Because we have such a short memory collectively. But it's, it's not as bad now as it was, say, like a month ago. But they were, they were charging... The, the price of eggs had doubled. And there was a shortage. A shortage of eggs. I couldn't buy eggs for like a month. It was weird. It's never happened. And the person at the supermarket tried to like convince me that it's like a normal thing that happens every year. I'm like, no, dude. I've, I've been grocery shopping my entire adult life. You're not going to fucking trick me into thinking this is normal, you know? And the only eggs that were available were kind of like the shitty eggs. A friend of mine told me that he cracked an egg open. There was no yolk inside. I'm like, what the fuck is even happening right now, you know? And so now Trader Joe's ha- has eggs again. But... Everything went up. The price of meat almost doubled. Uh, you know, the price of water. I go to this water vending machine that's got supposedly treated and purified water. It tastes good. I feel like I taste differences in the water, even though people try to tell me I'm full of shit. I'm really sure. I, I can usually tell. My girlfriend tries to trick me sometimes and, and gives me tap water, and I'm like, dude, this fuck, this is shit. This is tap water. Please don't. You know, I'll go get bottled water or I'll go fill up the water jug. Whatever. I can taste the difference. It's gone up incrementally every year for the past few years. And it's because the demand has gone up. That, that, that's predatory. That's the only word for it is predatory. That if you need something, the demand goes up because you need something that we're going to drive up the price. By that logic, nobody should be able to afford anything. No regular person should be able to afford betting or milk, you know, just by that logic, that if the, the demand goes up, the price must go up of a necessity, of a foodstuff, of rent, you know? Anyway, I mean, I can talk until my face is blue and it really won't change anything, but I just really want anyone, I just really want anyone listening to this, I want everyone out there to understand this philosophy, this economic philosophy, that the fact that we need something means that someone else has the right to fuck us for it. I just think that's so absurd and so predatory and so just fucking malevolent, you know what I mean? Just fucking, it's evil. It's, it's fucking evil, you know? And I wish, there, I wish there was like another way that I could like drive the point home. But just, yeah, I mean, pharmaceutical companies have been doing it for a very long time. And I remember th- there's only one guy that sort of like kind of got canceled-ish for it. Or I think he was selling the EpiPens for like $7,000 or some shit like that. It was like a million percent markup. I don't know exactly. Or it was like a 700% markup. I'm not exactly sure. It, it was 
it was ridiculous. And, you know, EpiPens, there are a lot of kids that just need them, just need to be able to carry them around in case they, like, inhale a peanut or something like that. I forget what the guy's name was, but he was he looked like a douchebag, and he was a douchebag. Most of these guys are douchebags, right? If you're getting into medicine so that you can mark things up by a thousand or several thousand percent, I mean, that's supervillain shit, you know? That's like Lex Luthor shit. Anyway, pharmace- pharmaceutical companies have been doing it for a very long time. And that's why they continue to come up with new drugs. Because all the o- old drugs, the patents run out. And they're allowed to make generics. And generics is just like, a, you know, if you don't know what it is, it's all the active ingredients of a drug. But they can just name it a different thing. And all of a sudden, the price is significantly less. Then, then, like, for instance, I go to Mexico to get my inhalers. They're $3 a pop in Mexico. Here, they're $60. So, again, you know, what is that? Three times, that's a, uh, 100, would be, if it was 100% markup, that would be $6, right? But, because this is, this is, we think of things in terms of dollars versus pesos, but the fact is there is this kind of global market so we can buy those same inhalers for the same price, right? And maybe we do. I don't know. But the markup here is so that it's $60. I'm trying to do the math in my head in a hurry. Uh, 100% markup would be $6 uh, times 10. So, uh, yeah, I think that's like a 1,000% markup. Yeah, it's a 1,000% markup. That's a hell of a profit. If you're thinking of selling, if you sell a million inhalers, that's not even 1% of the population. Let's say, let's say 1% of the population needs asthma inhalers. That's uh, 3 million people. 3 million times a 1,000% markup. On inhalers right there. You just made a couple billion. Just right there. Easy peasy. Billion. And that's what kind of money you're up against when you talk about these things, when you think about these things. Anyway, there's not much more I can say on that. I feel like I'm really bringing people down. I've been, uh, okay, so I, on the last podcast, which I actually released today, because I hang on to these for like a good week or so before I like actually put them out into the world. So maybe I'll release this one sooner just because lately, you know what I've been doing is I've been listening to the podcast so I can accurately label it, maybe like describe it in the, uh, in the description there. Uh, and so that's kind of what takes me longer. Cause like I hate listening to my own voice. So I just really hesitate to do it. I procrastinate to listen to it. Let me see. Actually. Oh shit. Still less than half an hour. I would love to sign off just right around the half hour mark. Uh, I was, uh, talking on the last podcast, which uh, I just said I, I released today. Today is April 19th. By the way, tomorrow is 420. I should have said that up top. That's like a really nice thing to say up top instead of talking about Easter. It's 420 tomorrow. And uh, I've been abusing weed. I've been stressed out, though, because this whole pilot thing is really just dominating my life, which is cool. I mean, that's what I wanted it to do, you know. Uh, And hopefully it will bring me 
uh, work as a comic. <laughs> That's really what I want out of it, work as a comic and as a writer. Um, but we're in post-production right now. Uh, in the last podcast, I was telling you all about the production process, kind of all the all the good stuff and all the pitfalls too. And so now it's in editing. And so that's what I've been doing every single day this week. And so I've been kind of getting high more often than I normally do. Like basically almost every single day I've been getting high, which is not something I ought to be doing, but whatever. I try not to feel too much shame over it because that's not a healthy emotion, but also understand that, uh, you know, maybe I should be working out. If I'm working out, I'm probably not getting high. You know what I mean? Usually. So that's what I hope to do after I'm done with the podcast here. I, I just kind of want to go maybe play a little piano. You know, I've been, I've been working every single day this week and it's only Wednesday, whatever. But like, you know, uh, Saturday I went to go see the editor, but we kind of, I don't know why we just forgot that a terabyte and a half of information might take a little while to upload onto his computer. So we went out and met one of his friends and went out for drinks and I accidentally got drunk as is a pitfall in my industry. Um, industry being a bartender, industry being a comic industry, being someone who just entertains other people. You're just going to accidentally get drunk sometimes if you're open to it. I guess I'm also open to it, right? I'm not a non-drinker. Um, but it was a fun time and the the guy editing my stuff at least for all i know now he's a really good guy he edits uh that that's his thing that he does you know he runs a podcast called and now we drink shout out and now we drink i've been on the podcast it was fun he's been on my podcast matt slayer you might look up the episode is actually uh it did pretty well in the numbers the matt slayer episode it was a lot of fun he's a lot of fun to hang out with he's a lot of fun to talk to and he's got a lot of really cool stories too and he's got a lot of really cool insights um, but he's also a little idealistic because my script didn't make sense to him. And I'm just like, dude, I mean, any of the factual stuff about the script having to do with the porn industry, I mean, that's all from experience. So, I mean, if you feel like that doesn't exist, then you just, you're just dealing with the side of porn that even like uses editors. So, I mean, right. Uses sound people, uses production. Uh, I've dealt with the side of porn that is uh CD because it's hard for guys to break into porn. So I would just get in wherever I fit in. And I'd be in some strange person's apartment getting my dick sucked and not getting paid for it. Anyway, I'm acting like I'm I'm complaining, but these have been like really fun times for me. Um, what was I saying? Oh yeah, so Matt Slayer, he's he's editing uh, he's editing the pilot, and that's what he does a lot of the time. He edits porn. He edits kind of high quality porn. Uh, that stuff with, yeah, the, when you hire a sound guy and you have a whole production staff there present, you know, and they're trying to make something look really improvised, but there's really an entire crew there to, to witness it, to fuck in front of or whatever. He also edits other people's podcasts. He's just like a full-time hustler, you know? And, uh, and so I've been just there right next to him. And this is kind of what's been getting to me is because I've been working so hard with the pilot and just not just the pilot, but like in comedy and just being a creative person and everything I do, I work so hard and everybody makes money except me <laughs> is what it seems like. Like he's working hard, but I'm paying him and I'm working hard and I'm paying him. You know what I mean? Like I'm paying people to work for me. Uh, and I'm working hard. I'm working just as hard as all those people. But I mean, I guess it's my project. It's my vision, right? But it's just a very strange place to be where you're hiring people to work, but you're working right alongside them just as hard as them. 
but you're hiring them. It's just a strange feeling. That's all. That's all because while I'm working with him, I'm not doing anything else. I'm not getting stage time. I'm not working, right? I'm not like actually working, putting money in my own pocket. But I'm there right next to him, making sure that every little thing goes in its place, making sure that every transition is as smooth as it can be, making sure that every take is the take that I want to be used. Uh, yeah, and just all, all those things, you know. And it's a very, it's a funny thing because, you know, this isn't my first rodeo putting together a large project. I, I've done things in my life, and this is kind of what I gravitate toward is... I just like putting together lar- large projects and not, it's not even only that I like it, but I feel a calling to it. You know, like my nature is str- so strongly drawn to it that I've done it in my past before I knew my fiance. Uh, but she's the one who she's just like, why don't you do a pilot? It's just, I gravitate to it so hard that my life partner is just like, yeah, you should do this. I'm going to put up the money and this is something you should be doing. Uh, and like, I want you to do it. It's not like she's allowing me to do it. She's like, do this, do this. I have money and you should do this because this is something that clearly is something you should be doing, you know? Um, anyway, so just, uh, been work that that's pretty much what I've been getting up and doing. Uh, so Saturday, we, we uploaded the stuff. We ended up drinking. We kind of just like, I just kind of familiarized him with the with the uh, the content. And we really didn't have much time to edit on Saturday night, Sunday morning, because we got home drunk. And I just drove home. He offered me to spend the night at his place and we could work in the morning. But I'm just like, eh, that's not going to happen. We're both going to wake up late. And then you're going to want to go like drive Uber or some shit like that. Because that's what everyone does in between gigs, drive Ubers. Even if you're making like good money. Southern California is so expensive that even if you're making a thousand to two thousand dollars a week, any moment that you're not making money, you're probably doing Postmates or driving Uber. I will give him this though; he's driving Uber in a Tesla, so doing it in style. But um, so Monday, wake up. Didn't even, oh yeah, I did my hosting gig, right, at the Hollywood Comedy, and immediately just go to his place. We're editing until basically it's time for me to go to bed. I come home, go to bed. Yesterday, Tuesday, wake up, go immediately to his place. Don't work out, don't do anything, just get some breakfast in me. um, And uh, take a shower and fucking go do it again, up until it's time to go to bed, all over again. Today, he's a little busy until nighttime, so I'm probably going to spend the night there tonight. Just so, I just want it to be done. I just want it to be done, you know? And uh, and then we can start the uh, slanging of the pilot, you know? We can start pitching it to whoever will buy it. It doesn't look as I mean, the scenes look good, but I mean, the transitions can be a little rough because we didn't get all the footage that we needed. We would have needed two whole more days to make it really complete. And that would have been $4,000 more. That's how much it costs. The crew is about $900. Uh, The actors, between the actors and the location, easily another $1,000. And that's without any extra expenditures. That's without feeding everybody. That's without, like, we paid... For everybody's parking when we we were at one of the locations and it ended up being like $60 a head. It was fucking ridiculous. So roughly it would have been $4,000 more to get the complete thing the way I had envisioned it. But we got what we got. It looks pretty good. I hope that it's at least enough 
to pitch somebody on the idea because I'm really just so excited. This is the first episode and it's just really difficult to establish a universe. You know, you're just trying to establish this place. You want all the jokes to be in, then you want all them all to hit. And I hate the phrase, this is good for your first try. I do not like that phrase because it can't be good for my first try. It just needs to be good. Anyway, we still haven't licensed the music, but my editor is so good that he was able at least to rip the music so that we can see what it looks like with the soundtrack that we want. But I'm still dealing with like maybe uh, trying to get a friend to produce some music or getting a local band who I know is really great to do the music. Or maybe we just might end up licensing it. Who knows? Maybe it won't cost as much as I think it will. Because the licensing process is really confusing, I'll say. And nobody really... I've tried to look online. I've tried to research online. And it's really like a lot of like... It's like reading like Ikea instructions or something like that. But, like, for something really elaborate, I don't understand, like, what's going on, you know? Like, I've tried to go to, like, the major sites, ASCAP, BMI. These are the places that are responsible for, like, kind of... They're sort of, like, storage houses for music, you know? But I I guess licensing works differently if you're doing different things. If you're trying to cover a song, if you're trying to put it in a film, it's all different. If you're trying to put it in a show, trying to put it in a web series, it's all, all very different. And by reading the literature online, I just don't even know what the fuck is what. I'm just trying to make sense out of things without like, without just reading all day for, you know, like I'm reading a novel or some shit like that. Um, I don't say all day. I would read all day if I thought it was going to be one day. But it seems like I could spend like several days in a row reading and still like not know what's going on. And I would have to compare one website's instructions to another because I don't really know who is the authority on said thing. I guess I would need some sort of entertainment lawyer. I guess that's what they're for. And that's a whole other fucking cost. We we don't have the budget for that. Anyway, I think I'm droning on now, but this is like the thing I'm passionate about, right? Because this is is what I want to do. It's not only that I hope to get work off of this. While I was directing this uh, set, and whenever I'm directing a sketch, I really feel in my element. I really feel that this is something I'm meant to do. And this is something I've wanted to do since I was a teenager. Like, I've just really felt like... It was the reason... The moment I was out of high school, I went and did, like, work as an extra just so I can see what a film set looks like and how they do things. And really, I just... It was really... I really naturally caught on to so much, you know? And so I look at this cost that my amazing fiancé is footing for this project and... I'm really thinking, okay, you know what? This is less than the cost of film school. So this is the equivalent of me going to film school. I get to learn alongside people who have gone to film school, who are working on major projects and feature films, who edit and do this for a living to put food on their table. I get to work alongside these people and learn from them. And the other side of that is they all know that this is my first time doing this. Even though it's not my first time putting together a large project, it's my first time doing this specific thing. And so I find myself fighting for a lot of my creative ideas. One second, I'm going to take a sip of water. I find myself fighting for a lot of my creative ideas because there's often someone there because your your vision 
whatever your vision is, it's your vision. It's inside your head. And it's not the easiest thing to communicate to another person, especially, right? Any trade, any job is going to have its own like language. You know what I mean? Like if you're a welder, there's lots of terms that they're going to use. If it's your first day on the job, you're not going to know what the fuck they're talking about. Different equipment, names for equipment, names for procedures, ways, protocols, things like that. You know, you're just not going to be familiar with it. You're just going to know what needs to be done. This thing needs to be attached to that thing and it needs to be done by this time. You know what I mean? And so I'm in that position where I kind of don't quite, I don't have a strong grasp. Like I have a very light understanding. You know, I have a novice's understanding of like the equipment and the language. Like I'm not a complete stranger to it, but I've, I haven't worked on a movie set. I've only been like an extra or something like that. I've only been a grip on these small projects. I've only directed sketches, you know, with like an iPhone and shit like that. I've only filmed porn, you know, like not not anything highly professional, not anything that someone's going to pay thousands of dollars to have made or to watch or to, you know, to hire advertisers, you know, things like that. So it's difficult for me to communicate. And so people kind of want to fight me on uh, whether or not this idea is even possible or uh, what would be the easier idea to carry out, you know. And meanwhile, as we argue, time is ticking and time is money, you know. Time is very literally money, when you're, especially when you're talking about film. While you're on set, the clock is ticking and just money is being spent, whether or not you're turning out a product. And anytime you're on a major set, that's the first thing that they're going to remind you of. The, okay, everyone's, we've got everyone on set. Everyone here is on the clock. Money's wasting. Time is t-. They're going to remind you when you're on a major set. And uh, this is not a major set, but still, you know, it's a lot of money for us. You know, you at the thousands of dollars that we spent, you would still call this a shoestring budget. The word nothing gets thrown around frivolously in this industry. They're like, oh, we made it for practically nothing. Practically nothing is five thousand. Practically nothing is ten thousand. Practically nothing can be a million dollars. If you're talking about a full length feature movie, a million dollars, that's not very much to be spending on, on a movie. Um, but yeah, so, so from, from the production process to the editing process, I find myself just kind of like fighting for my ideas because there's someone who's doing it, who's better at it, who understands how to use the equipment better than me. And I'm sitting there like really like 98% sure that it can be done a little bit of a better way. And I have to sit there and fight for it. But every time I fight for it, I get the reward. That's my vision. That's how I wanted it. And anytime I don't fight for it, I just really, really regret it. And But you have to pick your battles because sometimes, you know, sometimes it just wasn't possible. Maybe we didn't have the time. Maybe something went wrong, you know. And so so I want, I, you need to pick your battles. It's a fine line to straddle. It's just like any anything else in life, you know. You need to pick your battles so that every, because if everything is a battle, then you're always fighting and then people just kind of, don't listen to you or just get used to the fact that you're a cantankerous person to deal with, you know? Anyway, so I've been watching, I've been rewatching Atlanta. I've already seen it. I love it. By the way, Atlanta, Atlanta, and there's a show from the nineties called news radio. And it was kind of one of those, like, it was fun, stupid, really smart. And, uh, 
I, I just say that because they have the same executive producer and it's just drastically different. The show Atlanta and the show News Radio from the 90s. Atlanta is this kind of like contemporary masterpiece of a show, uh, brilliantly directed, brill- brilliantly written, uh, well executed drama and comedy and uh and also lots of abstract uh a lot of abstract ideas floating around in there lots of nuance it's really cool and news radio from the 90s just this fun stupid smart show with a bunch with with just an amazing cast of like great comedians and this guy paul sims i don't know well because atlanta's like you know it's a black show and so I, i don't know paul sims is he a black dude? I don't know. Like, it's just strange because it, it was such a white show. News radio was such such a white show, you know? And, <laughs> like, it's just interesting to see that, like, someone's... I mean, if you look at Donald Glover, right? It's Donald Glover's show. Donald Glover worked on 30 Rock. He worked on uh, Community. He was an actor on Community. I think he might have written for it, too. I don't know. But I know he wrote for 30 Rock. Uh just vastly different again 30 rock a very very i want to say a very white show but i mean tracy morgan and his like little entourage like he's you know a lead character and they all together like play lead roles so i guess it's not as white a show as let's say news radio i hate to even like talk about race in the context of it but it's just like it's really great to see people's creative range because that's where I feel I'm coming from creatively, right? I love fun, stupid, silly shit, but I also love exploring these, like, deep, abstract ideas, you know? And so watching Atlanta, I'm really watching Atlanta. It's a great show, but I'm watching Atlanta because it's so brilliantly directed. And so I'm just, I'm really paying more attention to how the shots are set up. Oh, excuse me. Oh, my bad. That's a bodily function. What the fuck are you going to do? I burped. It was like a burp hiccup. Anyway, it's so brilliantly uh, directed. And so I'm just paying attention to the composition of each shot of each scene. I'm paying attention to uh, how things cut to another scene because that's really what... Okay, I'm I'm watching my thing. So I I think on the last podcast, I was telling you how like, okay, I haven't looked at a a single frame at that point in time i hadn't looked at a single frame i was kind of accepting just trying to like digest this whole thing that had happened i understood that i didn't get everything that i wanted all the shots that i wanted that all the ideas may not have been carried out the way to full fruition the way i would have wanted them to but also that we had a lot of really good stuff and everyone did a really great job and so i was kind of dealing with that what we have is great but we don't have everything i would have wanted and so we're going to get some good stuff, but it's not going to be the masterpiece that I had hoped, you know, um, which is, I mean, it's the first time and there, there's a lot of lessons to be learned. You're just, you're not going to just know something the first time doing it. I mean, I have to accept that reality, you know, but I'm watching this thing and that's what I'm struggling with is, is these, uh, how to transition from one scene to another, from one idea to another, from one color scheme to another. And uh, without calling too much attention to the fact that I'm trying to transition, it's just, it's these little smooth things. It's like if you've ever learned a piece of music, like an elaborate piece of music, classical music, I'll say, um, then you you learn kind of like 
the each little part of the music right and then the harder part than that is putting it together transitioning from one part to another so you might have here i'll just do i'll just give you a little a quick like example so let's just say you're learning something by uh mozart and it sounds something like this right and it goes from there and then all of a sudden it goes to uh And so you need that to transition smoothly, right? You can't have that little breath, that little space that I just put in there. You need it to you need it to go from this I don't know something like that you know what i mean i'm not gonna play a whole ass fucking piece of music for you right now but you get it you learn these little discrete parts and then you have to put them together smoothly so smoothly so as not to distract from the rest of the beauty that you just created anyway that's what i'm that's what i'm doing that's what i'm struggling with and also you know what it's nice to watch something like atlanta or the show dave i've been watching dave by by the way the new season the the little dicky show uh they're both on hulu also uh it, it i recommend it uh i'll do like uh but when, when i finish it or when i'm mostly through with it i'll, I'll do a full review of dave because it's, it's just a really great show and these shows are really fun for me to be watching as an aspiring comic as an aspiring creative person as an, as an aspiring artist to watch somebody uh play out their struggle you know their struggle to uh, rise to the surface and that's what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm not even, I'm working my motherfucking ass off and I'm not even at the surface. I am fighting to get to the surface. That's what, really what I'm doing. Anyway, I hope that we all get to the surface and I hope that we, we all get what we're working for, what we're working toward and treat each other well. Uh, I think I'm going to finish on that, finish the, the this episode on that. Uh, I've had a good time talking to you. I feel really great now. I feel really rejuvenated now that I finished the podcast. I always have so much fun doing this. It's Wednesday. It's April 19th. I hope you all have, or by the time you listen to this, have had a wonderful 420. Don't abuse it. Just use it. You know, Enjoy each other. Use it as a reason uh, to get together and to, to just create great memories and bond with each other. Just like any holiday, uh, any special occasion should be used, you know? Anyway, treat each other great, and I love you all, and uh, I'll talk at you next time. Uh, don't forget to follow me on, uh, if you don't already, at uh, Broken Bougie Comedy uh, on Instagram or at Bad Motherfucker Named Gino, also on Instagram. Bad Mickey Ficky Named Gino on Rizzle. Rizzle's going through some shit right now. Who cares? Nobody cares about Rizzle. <laughs> uh, follow me on Reddit. I'm also on Reddit. I think I'm just under my motherfucking name on there. And sure, why not on Facebook? Just find me on Facebook. Whatever. Follow me love me oh don't forget to follow me on youtube because i'm going to be uploading a lot of stuff on youtube don't forget to subscribe to my youtube channel and spread the word spread the word i put a lot of love in this podcast i know i don't produce it or anything but the work that i do on this podcast i do put a lot of love and uh and you should spread the word and then uh maybe uh i will uh 
perform for you and your friends and we can all have a great time together and i can buy you stuff because i'll have <laughs> i'll have enough money if that happens all right that's enough that's enough of me begging for your attention i hope you all have or have had a wonderful 420 treat each other well and i love you and i'll talk at you at another time love you bye bye